Hey everyone, welcome back to the Saxon Podcast, the first five years. I'm one of your wonderful co-hosts, Agassi Rodriguez at Clemson University. What is up party people? This is Erica Aguiar coming from the University of Florida. And Agassi, I know that you didn't really appreciate that intro, but I just feel like I've got some energy today because tomorrow, listeners, is my birthday. Pew, pew, pew. Pew, pew, pew. So today is September 29th, tomorrow September 30th. I don't know when you'll be hearing this, but retroactive birthdays count as well. So thank you so much for your well wishes, everybody. For the listeners at home, if anybody would like to get Erica a gift, please let me know. I can give you her address. Um, actually, now that I say that out loud, maybe I shouldn't <laughs> be giving up people's without the permission. You can find her on Twitter at, well, we'll talk about that later. Happy yes. pre-birthday, Erica. Thank wow. you. What are, we, what are we, 21 plus tax? Where are we at, girl? We're, we're 21 plus tax. That's very funny. We will be turning a young 28. Oh, we like that. Which is, Ooh. you know, typically I feel like right now, so I had a student who told me, oh yeah, my brother is super old. And I was like, how old? And she's like, 28. <laughs> okay. Well, thanks so much. My birthday's canceled, um, but I'm really excited. I think I'm kind of entering a new season of my life, you know, um, 30, flirty and fun coming right up. Thank you for going on 30. So I'm excited. I am excited. I think it's a really hard time in the world. I think everyone is going to experience a quarantine birthday and I'm, you know, thankful to have humans that I live with that I love and we'll just, we'll just, it'll be a good day. Here, here. To plenty, to plenty more. To To being sturdy, flirty and thriving. There we go. Insert shimmy that you all can't see. (laughs) Well, welcome back folks. Uh, We're so glad you can make it here with us again. Um, Erica, um, I know there were some regrets uh, about your challenge word on our last episode. Breadcrumbing. So I wanted to give you a redemption shot, and I wanted to allow yourself to redeem yourself. Um, So this episode's challenge word is also going to be breadcrumbing, um, which is when you drop subtle hints along the way for folks to pick up those hints and get to where they need to go to. Uh, It could be academic. It could be personal. It could be anywhere in between. But Erica... Last time I said I believed in you. This I time you really believe, believe in, in me. I still believe in you. I really do. I can do it. I, I, I can do it. But I'm going to write it down so I don't forget and put it in a sticky note on my computer. So There you go. Well, welcome back, everybody, to another episode of Happy Birthday, Erica. I mean, the first five years. Coming at you to talk about the things that mean the most to us. New professionals, graduate students, all of our student affairs and adjacent colleagues, we want to talk about what's what's mattering in the world and what is happening in kind of our, you know, time and place. So welcome back. We really just want to give a public voice to the graduate students and the new professionals out there and bring you some timely information based off of the calendar year. I'm excited for our public voice today. Uh, Jackie Alexander, pew, 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 currently <laughs> serving as the director of student media at the University of Alabama, Birmingham. Prior to her time at UAB, Jackie worked as the assistant director for student media at Clemson University and as a real-life journalist with the Gainesville Sun, Gainesville, and Ocala Star Banner. And Jackie is a graduate of the University of South Carolina and a proud alum of the Daily Gamecock. Welcome, Jackie. Thank you so much. So excited to be here. So excited to be with y'all. We're so thrilled to have you and to have a Gainesvillian's not the word. (laughs) 
you know, you, you know Gainesville, so this is fun when I talk about the best thing I ate this week. I do know Gainesville, and I, I did enjoy my time in Gainesville, but I, I've spent my entire career living in enemy territory, so I was the only person wearing garnet in the office on Fridays while everyone wore orange and blue, so I'm a Gamecock through and through, um, at and least until they fire my champ. That's fair, Okay. We're just here for the SEC love. I think we can all agree. SEC, yes. Nods all around. There yes, you go. Yes. Um, you know, it just means more. Um, <laughs> every time, Agassi. Every time. <laughs> I can't help it. I can't help it. Uh, but yes, we're here for the SEC love. So welcome aboard. Um, this is neutral territory. Uh, well, yes. not, not always the most of neutral, you know, as we've had uh, guests on. But we've had some neutral, some neutral uh, ground on here. Um, so we are transitioning to an exciting new arc in our series, and Jackie gets to be our first guest in this arc, but really we are introducing our new arc called Pulling Back the Curtain. So really we just wanted to provide an opportunity to bring on some student affairs and higher ed professionals in the Saxon region who are doing the work and are really uh, navigating a tumultuous time in all of our lives and learning a bit more about how these different functional areas and different professionals have navigated COVID times, what has changed, what has adapted, what are some successes, and what are some, you know what, we'll, maybe we'll try that again later um, in the world. Um, but we're so excited to start talking about that. So for the next couple of episodes, if you do tune in, we will br be bringing on guests to talk about their functional areas. Um, and today, Jackie's gonna be talking to us about student media. Um, and we're so excited. Uh, Eric and I are, uh, I will say, used to kind of pseudo-be journalists in a way. Uh, that's right. Uh, long ago, not that long ago. Um, hey, my degree is on the wall, guys. I, got <laughs> I was about to say not that long ago. Hey, we can't say recent grads anymore, though. We we're, cannot say recent grads anymore. Oof, yeah, that hurts. Exactly. Exactly. It's okay, you know. Uh, we are we're we're thriving. We're almost at thirty and thriving. Um, so yeah. That's what we're doing today, and I'm excited. But as we know, my favorite question has to come before we talk about the content, which is, Jackie, what is the best thing you ate this week? Wow. So thinking about it, I probably would say what I made for dinner on Sunday. So I made stuffed shells, but I make them differently. Most people stuff the pasta shells with just ricotta and spinach. And I am like, I don't like ricotta. So I stuff it with meat sauce with a dollop of ricotta and then of course cover it with an entire bag of mozzarella because it's the only way you do cheese. If oh, you're right. not doing the entire bag, you're wasting your money. Um, and so I loved it. My seven-year-old daughter was like, I like just the pasta. Um, and she is a, she's definitely a foodie. So maybe, maybe I'll figure out a way that she'll like it. But that oh, was the best thing that I ate this week. I love that at seven, she was like, um, this is like great. This is what I really, <laughs> I think that's beautiful. Agassi, what about you, friend? What is the best thing I've had to eat this week? Um, I did, what? Oh, so we celebrated my partner's mother's birthday and she wanted to have just a home cooked meal. So uh, my partner and his sister all, they came together, <laughs> came together and made some, a nice dinner. It ended up being a very Southern dinner. Uh, which was not ex not that I expected, um, but there were chicken and dumplings, uh, which I've had maybe once in my life, I will admit. Um, I've never had it fresh, though, um, or made in front of me. I will say that that was probably one of the best things I've eaten in a while. Uh, very good. Um, and be Southern. Be Southern. <laughs> I, I'm not mad about that, though. 
you're in South Carolina, embrace the, the fun of it. And because as many people know, Florida is not really South. We're just kind of a, I don't know, an amalgamation of, of weirdness. So I can say I wish amalgamation had been my word. I would have slipped it in so well. Yeah, look at um, you. So, look how easily you got that. You know, $5 word here. So I am actually going to speak not about something that I ate this week, but about something that I'm going to eat. Um, so I will be uh, having my birthday dinner early um, just to, to fit my roommate's schedules a little bit. And we are getting sushi from my favorite place in Gainesville called Dragonfly. And there's a couple of them, but... Oh, Jackie's excited about this. This makes me so happy. Dragonfly so much. So, so good. good. And so I think I can talk about it because I know exactly how it's going to taste. I get this roll called the mango tango. And the first time I got it, I looked at the waitress and I was like, there's no way this is good. She's like, just try it. And it's salmon and mango and cream cheese, which is different than ricotta. And then it has like sweet potato on top of it. It's so good. So that. I am anticipating will be the best thing I eat this week. So thank you all for going on that little food journey with me. My lunch was a little sad, so I feel like I'm really living through. What was lunch? I just made like a salad. Just, a salad. just like a salad and chicken. It was fine. Listen, sometimes, was no... you just, sometimes you just got to eat. I feel that. And I did. And I had carrots. So, you know, it was fine. There you go. Well, y'all, thanks for participating in the... Erica's favorite section of what we ate this week. Uh, we're going to now transition into our rapid fire questions. So for the listeners at home, each of us is going to take a turn to ask one another questions. All of our questions range from goofy to serious, uh, but admittedly, they always tend to skew to the goofy or more centrist route. Uh, so we will see what this week's questions hold. Um, and first on the, first on the, uh, on the plate, Erica. I like the food theme we're going with. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to stick with it. So Agassi, I want you to imagine that you have a crystal ball. And if you could ask this crystal ball one thing about your future, like what is the one thing that you would want to know about kind of how your life is going to play out? I know this is a good question. I stole it from the 36 questions, so I can't take credit for it, but I'm really curious. First of all, as a pseudo academic, I love that you cited your source. Like that was great. Like that was great. And I think it'll lend itself to the discussion today on like student media. And, like, 36 questions, comma, 2020. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know how to exactly uh, say it, but. If I had a crystal ball and I got to ask it a question, hmm. I almost really want to know where, where, what place in my life is going to be like the place I will you know, lay down some roots and call home in the future. Um, most of my family is in South Florida and Miami. I don't think that that is where I will end up, I think, living in my life, or at least for like my, I'm going to grow here and raise my children here just because it's really hot and <laughs> it's really expensive and there's just a lot in Miami right now. Um, so I think I'd ask it, where's like my forever home? Like, is that in North Carolina? Is that in Georgia? Is that maybe in like more Northern part of Florida? I don't know. Um, and I'm along for the ride until then, but uh, that'd definitely be one of the bigger questions. Is, you know, where am I going to have like, you know, my Victorian antique home to like uh, fix up and do, you know, fun dinner parties at and all that. Great answer. Can't wait to be invited to those dinner parties. I'm, I'm very thankful for that. Okay, Jackie, my question to you as someone, of course, who works in media and, you know, actively works with students on the same topic, what is one of your favorite news publications and why? Oh, wow. 
Um, my favorite news publication, hands down, is the Tampa Bay Times, um, formerly the St. Petersburg Times. I interned there twice in my undergrad, got to meet some giants of the industry, got thrown on the desk. My very first time interning with them, I was on A1, which for people who aren't in media is the front page. Um, on my second day of working there, I learned so much and I had so much fun. Um, and then also just being able to drive to the beach in five minutes um, and getting going to Clearwater and getting a fried buffalo grouper sandwich. You can't trade that. Can't trade that at all. Oh, well, I consider Tampa home. So this answer made me so <laughs> happy. Such a good paper. We love the Times very we much. Love the Times, the TBT. Yes. There, there you go. Speaking of Tampa... Hello, the Lightning just won the Stanley Cup. That's yes. exciting. Yes, yes, yes. Sports. Congre <laughs> Go team. Erica, you might also be, you know, well aware of this, of course, but the Heat are also advancing in, in, in their respective sports. I knew that one. Oh, Dale. Dale. <laughs> I know that sport. Okay, so I think it's my turn to ask Erica a question. So my, my daughter is a big fan of very random would you rather questions. So I asked her for her expertise. This is so cute. I'm so excited. So the question from myself and Olivia is, would you rather fall into a lake and swallow a fish or would you rather be catapulted through the air and swallow a bird? Okay, Olivia is a creative genius. These are good questions. I am scared of falling, so I think that I would choose to be catapulted into the lake and eat the fish because then it's just really good sashimi, I think. I, I completely agree, completely agree. <laughs> Definitely would take the fish over the bird. All of those feathers, would not want that in my mouth. Right, I, you can't eat poultry raw. <laughs> Absolutely not. Erica said sashimi. Eric. <laughs> Okay, okay. Um, so I'm gonna, <laughs> that was a really funny one. I'm gonna turn it back. Mine's not nearly as good. So Jackie, I teach a class here at UF called First Year Florida. It's like an intro to the university class. Actually, the concept of that created at the University of South Carolina. So I, we did a self-care class today and my students brought up some really interesting things that they do for self-care that they feel like are keeping them grounded during current times and that really help them de-stress. So what is one of your favorite self-care things? My favorite self-care thing, I'm sorry, I can't stop laughing because this is very embarrassing. Although my students know this and they make fun of me for it all the time. I really love trashy romance novels that are free through Kindle Unlimited. Like the burly, angry man who runs into the sassy spitfire who's like five foot two with these bright green eyes and they hate each other. And then one day they kiss and they end up getting married and they have, I, I'm a sucker for a happily ever after. I'm, I, I'm still finding, still looking for mine, but love reading them. I've, I think I've gone through 138 romance books this this year so far? This year. Okay. This year because of because quarantine. We had but, nothing yeah. to do but read. Yeah. Um, when everything in the world is real loud, um, a, a good happily ever after gets it, gets it quieted down. I love that. Um, a good friend of mine from grad school, Danny Keene, who is a listener of the pod, 
I think the two of you would be fast friends because she loves her romance books. They're good. I'm glad that that's a way for you to escape and I think it makes the world feel a little happier. Thanks for sharing that. Thank you. So, Agassi. One of the things that I think is really important is seasoning as a black woman. You can't have too many seasonings. I probably have 60 in my cabinet right now. Um, salt and pepper, I probably have six different types of salt right now. So if you were a seasoning, which seasoning would you be? Oh, that's a good one. Oh, okay. Now I'm like thinking of my spice cabinet, which is very small and it makes me very frustrated at times because I wish I could buy more. But I had to describe myself as a seasoning. Okay. I think I would be a sensible smoked paprika because we love paprika. Uh, it, is a, it is a very core spice to me. Um, paprika and cayenne are two spices that I use pretty a lot. I do like a good heat when I'm cooking, um, but the smoked paprika just almost makes it fancy in a way. I don't know what it is about the smokiness that it's just like it elevates the paprika. So I just feel like, you know, not only do I bring some heat, but I bring some class, you know, and I'm, I, I, I bring something special to the table. So I would definitely go the smoked paprika route. Can confirm. Yes. Smoked paprika is very different than regular paprika and it's definitely necessary. So that reminds me, I need to send you my red beans and rice recipe and my smothered turkey um, wings recipe, both of which use smoked paprika. It's definitely great for building a good base for whatever food you're cooking. That's a great choice. I welcome all recipes. We love recipes. Cooking has definitely been my self-care. Um, one for, you know, living and two, uh, it gets me away from a computer screen. Definitely. <laughs> okay. And then my final question to Erica. Erica, if you had to describe the season of your life as a song, what would it be? The season of my life as a song. Whew. Okay. Well, first I'm going to give a quick example um, that is my favorite example from one of my favorite shows crazy ex-girlfriend and it's called the moment is me and it's really terrible and it's just about like your life transitioning to a new place but very ironically okay i think right now i'm just like turning the corner of my life i feel like i'm you know financially really stable and i feel like i finally have like a lot of confidence and imposter syndrome is in the back seat so maybe it would be called imposter syndrome in the back seat that's my answer because if i think about it too much it's going to be bad so Part of the you know unsweet tea in the south musical that is my life thank you i just had question. i just had some general thoughts of like driving miss daisy but it's like driving <laughs> driving my imposter syndrome <laughs> it's always in the back seat y'all she's always there just tapping on the shoulder sometimes she's asleep um and sometimes she's you know opening the door and jumping out of the car while we're still moving so thanks for that question Agassiz. i'm gonna have to think of a better answer at some point but. quite a wild time quite a wild time okay y'all Thank you so much for playing our rapid fire section. Now we get to transition into my little game. Name that Scott. Bump. Uh, for my producer, our producers listening out there, that is where we would like you to put the music in. Um, as you can tell, Eric and I are not musically inclined. Um, if you are a producer and you are listening, which I know you are, Miles, please add some music. Thank you so much. So transitioning to our Name That Scott game, I'm going to ask our guest and Erica 
to correctly identify institutions in the Saxa region um, based off of their mascots. Now I might just give the mascot, I might give the name and the mascot, or I might give the institution and they have to give them the mascot. Who's to know? But away we go. So the first mascot um, that I will mention is Clyde the Cougar. So I know I said I was going to study and I was going to be prepared to win. And then life happened. So life happened. I have no idea. We I have no that. idea. No clue. No good guess. This institution is in South Carolina. Ah. It is actually the oldest college in the state of South Carolina. Okay, so I'm going to make a guess. Is it Winthrop? Nope. Dang it. Is it the College of Charleston? It is the College of Charleston! Oh, yeah. <laughs> just, I just that thought, hey, that's an old place. That must be the first time that Erica has gotten one on the show. We, we I'm so happy. Back and keep tally. Um, it is the College of Charleston, the oldest college in the state of South Carolina, founded in 1770 in Charleston, South Carolina. I have a friend who works there, so I'm very proud of myself for knowing that. Look at us. Beautiful Golf campus. Class. Beautiful campus. Uh, beautiful area for, you, uh, for the folks who haven't visited. Quite a, quite a nice time. Um, okay. This next one. They are known as the Saints, but their mascot is Caesar the Saint Bernard. I will give you another hint. Please. It is a college in Florida. I just want to appreciate their boldness in choosing a St. Bernard as their as their mascot. I just want Hi. I just want to appreciate that. I don't know who it is. <laughs> I, I really am I, being a gamecock, I'm really thrilled that someone else went on the limb and said, you know what? St. Bernard puppy. That's our mascot. It's Not a good pregnant. mascot. Not a tiger, not a lion, St. Bernard. We love them. We love them. As a kid growing up, St. Bernards were always the one that would come to the mountaintops with like the emergency alcohol tied to their necks to like save yes. people. It's like, what? I was like, is this not a cartoon? Am I not I'm a child? Oh, I thought you meant that that happened to you. And I was like, very <laughs> concerned. This is, yeah, helpful context. Thank you so much. I also do not know the institution. And as a Floridian, I well, Erica, well, Erica, you might, you might, you might beat yourself up about this one because they're your neighbors. So the institution is Santa Fe College. <gasps> oh my gosh, Jackie, how did neither of us know this? I want, yeah, I want to beat myself up because when I worked at the Ocala Star Banner at the Gainesville Sun, Santa Fe College was part of my beat. I was a K through 12 education reporter and I was also responsible for covering Santa Fe College. I'm going to, I'm going to say this is, this is a new development because I don't, <laughs> they have I don't never been to St. Bernard's. Bernard's. It's, I, it's, I knew they were the saints and that was on me, but St. I just learned something new about SFC. Listen, well, Santa Fe College, originally Santa Fe Junior College, until they, named, they changed their name in 2008, was established in 1965 in Gainesville, Florida. Yeah, I'm mad. It's okay, y'all. The important thing is we all win because what, what is the real prize here? Knowledge. And we're all learning something. The more you know. The more you know. <laughs> well, Thank you, Erica. I'm not going to beat myself up too much, but speaking of beats... 
it's time to chat about student media. And again, Agassi and I both have degrees from the College of Journalism and Communications at the University of Florida. And I think that this is something that we're both really interested in. And so my first kind of question to you is, some people might not think about student media as it relates to higher ed. And so can you, what is some overview of what you do? What is a day to day? Um, so as I, I tell my students and I tell anyone that asks, there's never a dull day in student media. Um, I never know what I might be walking into. I remember when I first got hired to work at Clemson way back in 2012, I thought, you know, I'm going to sit here and I'm going to talk about AP style and, you know, um, inverted pyramid and we're going to just talk journalism nerdy all day. Um, I might talk about journalism for 1% of my week. Um, as I try to explain it to other student affairs professionals, student media is really just student organization and student development with a dash of journalism thrown in. Um, I spend a lot of I, I spend a lot of my time trying to make sure that my students can um, have you know strong interpersonal relationships. I spend a lot of my time making sure that they can manage conflict with each other. Um, I spend a lot of my time helping them plan for their future. Um, I tell all of my students that when the, my number one goal is that when you leave out of this office, you leave here a better person and a more confident person. Um, so day to day looks different. I'm a director now. So a lot of, you know, division needs that I am um, trying to fulfill, um, working with the director of my creative services agency. So we provide graphic design services, um, custom video services. And so trying to manage that side. Um, I'm a student affairs professional, but I, I spend a lot of my day trying to figure out how do I make more money? Um, so trying to figure out how to increase revenue um, and and then also, of course, you know, working with the students and making sure that they're not publishing something that could get the university and themselves sued. Um, we have a great time. Our office is so much fun. It's so casual. You know, I'll be in my office working on a, a spreadsheet in Excel and I'll walk out the door and they're having an argument over who is the next Michael Jackson, Michael Jackson of their generation generation so I love it it's the best thing I've ever done every day is different um, there's never a dull day um, it keeps me it keeps me going every single day that is fascinating because even going into this and we had a pre-call I feel like I just got such a glimpse into such a different world and I love that you said that you're trying to prepare people for life and right isn't that the goal of our Solves as student affairs practitioners is that we're helping students learn and grow and you are a part of that and a very big part of it especially for these students because the students that I know who do student media that is that is their life like they they live and breathe it absolutely yeah no when I when I was at the Daily Gamecock we we, we joked that we didn't have time to join fraternity and sorority life so it was Tal Delta Gamma um I love know, it we spent three, I spent three years only working at the paper and a lot of our students say they find their home there. They find their home at a very large university where they don't feel like they fit in anywhere else and they walk through our doors and they realize this is where I'm supposed to be. And that is my favorite thing about working with them. I love. Yeah, I especially love that you you brought in, I think, the perspective of like at the heart of what you do, you're working with student organizations, um, which, you know, is is as someone who works with student organizations, 
I definitely agree. No day looks similar because you never know what's going to walk through the door, what organization is going to come ask you for something or, you know, come to you for advice. And I think that's what also makes it exciting. Um, but I do think that that's a good context to build it off is that, that idea at their core is that they're a student organization. So you have to think about how they interact with each other, how they interact with outside parties, um, because you're right, there is a lot of learning there. And as Erica said, like, I know the folks that I've known who work in student media, like that is their life. And as, as, many, or, as many students invest themselves in their organizations, um, this is, you know, a, a direct example of that. Thanks um, for sharing. I think that because I, I really believe it sets the foundation for um, the question that we want to, that we want, you know, I think really want to focus our time on is how has this changed in the last six months, you know, from going into quarantine to, to just reporting on, on the current kind of state of the world. How do you think some of that's changed? It's changed phenomenally. It's changed almost irrevocably, unfortunately. Um, one thing I love about SUNY is the camaraderie um, and the sense of family that they share that, you know, my students will walk into the office um, at lunchtime just to see who else is there. They'll see me and be like, oh, no one's here and they leave, but that's okay because I'm old. Um, but, you know, at any point in time, you can walk in the office and there's 10, 15, 20 students and they're just like, we want to be here. Um, Post-COVID, we can't do that. Um, the students have to be scheduled. They have to be actively working. There's no coming in and, you know, just trying out your DJ skills. You have to be scheduled. Um, Another thing that has changed a lot during COVID that people don't realize is that our student reporters, we have as advisors harped for years and years, you can't do email interviews, you can't do text interviews, they need to be face to face. Well, face to face is not the safest right now. So a lot of these interviews have to happen via email, via text, via Zoom. We're trying to shoot um, different videos for our TV station. Well, what do we do about sanitizing the lavaliers which is a microphone a fancy microphone for everyone else um how do we sanitize that how do we make sure that the person that was working on the restaurant show doesn't get covid and transfer that to the person that's working on the student organization show um, so those are a lot of questions that we're asking ourselves right now um, and in addition with quarantine and COVID and, you know, the amount of political unrest that we've seen over the last six months, how do I, as a director who is trying to stay safer at home, pressure my students to go out into protests where we are seeing professional journalists be attacked by both police and protesters? How do I send them out in the middle of a pandemic and say, you need to produce more and more and more when I know they're stressed? I know they have family members that are sick family members that are dying and they are trying to navigate this new world. So how do I balance the need to provide breaking news and information to their community with, they're just people trying to survive like me. Um, a lot of our conversations have focused around how do we make sure that our students are well holistically, while still asking them to do very, very time intensive work for little to no pay. I, yes, I think all of that is so interesting because, right, when we think about how we wanna develop them as whole humans, like we love our students. And I have had students who have been like, I don't, do I go to this protest knowing that, and, and that's just kind of going in the student hat, right? 
how do I advocate and, and protest, you know, my identity that is being, you know, systemically oppressed and also still remain an active student. And then you've got your students who the added layer of that outside of their identities is my job is to report on this. And we've seen reporters arrested on TV and, and attacked. And what we, I don't know that we can just say, well, that's the job, right? That's not, and, and you are the person who is thinking of all of those things at the big kind of macro level and then also one-on-one. -on -one. And I mean, I don't, I certainly don't have any answers. I'm just like fascinated and interested in how you're doing some of this. Well, I think a lot of us aren't doing it well. We're, we're, we're figuring this out as we go. Um, I have leaned on grace, grace for myself, grace for my employee, grace for my students, understanding that, you know, rushing out to this press conference or this protest action is not at the top of their priority list. There are other things that they need to focus on. And while this is a great story and would be great for their clip and would be great for their community, that I've got to take care of that person. Because one story is not worth losing that person. Um, and that's the conversation I think that we are having on the national level with other college media advisors. Um, many of our advisors are based in journalism schools. So they're, they're very focused on AP style, get the story, do your job, don't cry about it. Um, they don't wanna know anything about their students personally. I know all my students personally. They literally have FaceTimed me in the middle of the night to be like, Jackie, I got a new puppy and I don't know what to do. It won't stop crying. Can you help me? And the other students on the line saying, I told her to calm down, but I knew we needed to talk to mom. And so we're realizing through this, many of our other advisors are realizing outside of student affairs that, oh, I need to take care of my students holistically. I need to figure out how I navigate these conversations with them. And then we're having conversations as advisors about, you know, in the past it's been, well, it's our right under the First Amendment to take photos in public. So if you don't want your, you know, if you don't want it printed, you don't want your photo taken, don't show up. But the, like the National um, Photojournalist Association has said, you know, you're helping the cops do their job by taking photos of protesters without asking them if it's okay because they are surveilling what we're putting out there. So we need to have a conversation on the national level about do we just take photos of people that are at protests, knowing what has and can happen to them. If people say that they wanna be anonymous in the past, we would say, well, you know, if it's not gonna affect their livelihood or their life, then we, you can't be anonymous. Or if we can't get it anywhere else, you can't be anonymous. We're seeing that shift a lot where people are realizing the real impact it can have on marginalized communities. Um, even just the change this summer where the Associated Press said, you know what, we're gonna start capitalizing black. We've been talking about this for literally decades and we are just now making movement on it. Um, so a lot of things have changed. Some of them are good. Some of them are not so great. Uh, but I think our profession is moving forward to be more honestly socially just. So I think, you know, I, yes, all, all of these things are so fantastic. To, to hear that it's happening and it changes so slow sometimes. And honestly, I wouldn't have thought that out of all of this, that's what was gonna happen. Is that 
social you know, justice was gonna be at the forefront of student media, but I think it makes sense, right? I, I don't think you can look at COVID and, and civil unrest separately in some ways because they're so, so, so linked and stuff is happening. And I mean, you and your students are kind of at the center of it and just wow. I, I think it gives me such a different perspective on what you do. I think what people, what people can forget, what journalists can forget is that um, we're a public service. We exist to help protect our democracy. Um, there's that horrible trite saying that journalists afflict the comforted and comfort the afflicted. Um, we're having a real reckoning right now to realize that maybe journalists were some of the people that were the comforted. And we need to change how we interact with our public that we serve. Not, you know, not the algorithms, not the, you know, not the hedge funds that own us, that we need to listen to what our readers are saying. We need to listen to our audience instead of constantly telling them, this is what we think and this is what should happen. Um, I, I think that's going to be really powerful. And that's all coming out of student media. You have these students that have learned across their university, across other functional areas about social justice, about social change theory, and they're taking that practice into their newsroom. And then they're taking that into their professional newsrooms. The, some of the people at the heart of the um, LA Times shift before even AP made a shift about social justice concerns, I knew them from years ago from being at a college media conference. Those students are going out and already enacting change at major, major outlets. And I'm so incredibly proud. I definitely agree wholeheartedly. I think with the change of, you know, not even just student media, but I think journalism and reporting as a whole. Um, I definitely was very excited when AP style as, you know, again, as a, as a former pseudo kind of journalist uh, who adhered very much to AP style for a, a length of time, um, I was really proud. And again, it's, it's, you get back to this idea of like, this was already a thing, but it needed the, like the verification almost. Like we knew that black should be capitalized. Like that was something, but we had a structure in place that said, no, you cannot do that. And we literally, you know, people had to eventually stand up and say, no, we have to do this thing. So I definitely agree with you. I think on, I think just the changing scope, you know, one of my favorite reporters, Maria Hinojosa, um, who's a professor at Columbia University, and I know um, is, is, is a, one of the, I think, I, I think a very prominent figure in the Latino community um, as a reporter and as a journalist, and I just love following her stories because I think she talks a lot about representation in the newsroom um, and how important that is, and I've even just seen examples of you know, stories that try to two-side, um, and I know we're taught a lot, I think, in, you know, in our education, is like, you have to provide both sides of the argument. It's like, well, you know, there's also a lot of, a lot of logic that says sometimes the other side of the argument is not a good one. There's not another side of the argument to racism. Like, there's not a, what's the counter to this person is racist? Like, that's not a, that's not a counterpoint. That's not a matter of opinion. But again, institutions teach, and, you know, I'm not saying this is, I'm not, you know, I'm not here to critique on the study of journalism and all that. That's definitely not my, my area of expertise. But again, we have these structures in place to say, no, you have to do it this way. And that's reinforced. And I think one thing I've always appreciated about student media and my solo interactions in undergrad and even now as a professional is that student media pushes back a lot of the time. And again, how much they are able to push back is definitely dictated by how much support they have to understand how they can push back. 
Because again, as student affairs professionals, I feel like a lot of our role, especially as advisors, is to help them understand this is the route you can take. This is who you should talk to. But if they don't know that, they can't do that. So again, it's, it's knowing your rights. It's knowing you are protected by this law and this policy and this amendment that says you can do X, Y, Z thing. And again, just because sometimes you can do something, should you do it? So you get back to that picture, picture example that you were just talking about. You can take pictures of people in public spaces, but again, are we harming? Are we doing more harm than good at that point? And those are, I think, those more reflective, almost like leadership development questions. It's like, okay, what is my effect here? What do I being here, what does I being here mean to what is happening in this current environment? Yeah, 100% agree on that. Um, I've, I think I've probably been shouting from the rooftops. I, I used to do diversity and inclusion consults for other college media departments um, and have been saying for years, like, we have rights, but we also have a responsibility. We need to spend less time focusing on our rights and start thinking more about what responsibility we have to the people that we cover and to the communities that we serve. Um, that service piece has been lost. I think for our students and student media, it's reinforcing for them and helping them understand the power that they have <clears throat> that this is not something we do in a vacuum when we make mistakes 10,000 people can see it in print when we do something right 10,000 people can see it in print and we can change things um, it's also hard when you're a university department um, in getting your funds from the university and I've had that conversation over and over again with my students of like oh well won't the university be mad if we if we write about this and I sell them, the university might be mad and that's okay. They pay me really well to deal with those questions. So you make them mad and I'll go to those meetings because they don't pay you well enough to go to those meetings. Your job is to hold them accountable. Don't worry about the budget. I get paid to worry about the budget. It's fine. As long as it's not libelous, do what you have to do. And it takes some time for the students to lean into that power and understand like, wow, I can really make a difference at my own university. And I, I think that that's like, again, student, student life, right? These are training grounds in many ways. And I remember hearing that a lot um, at the student you know, newspaper here that when you go to the when you go to the Times or wherever you're going next, it is built on the foundation of your student newspaper or the work that you did. And, and I think that that's right. We need to think about that largely for student affairs is what are the things that we need to be handling? My students do not need to be concerned about certain things because that is what I am paid for. So why don't you go out there, hold people accountable, try the new things, you know, ask the good questions and like let, let us as student affairs professionals take on a little bit more of that responsibility. And that's going to be different for every single one of our areas but it student autonomy and and letting them advocate for themselves and be kind of you know in control of that i think is um, is really really big and you also just get into a conversation really about the importance of understanding your values you know jackie i know what you're talking about is you know that is not you telling your students you know like you don't get paid for that i get paid for that like, I think inherently, you know, as you're talking about, your value is that, like, you want them to feel like they are empowered and they can go out there and do the thing, right? And I think at the heart, that is also, like, what we as student affairs professionals do when we look holistically at students. You know, we want to be able to bring students in and say, okay, we are going to push you and we're going to challenge you, but we are going to support you, you know, hashtag challenge and support, 
to do the damn thing, to get out there and, you know, report and to report the truth and to do it to the best of your ability. And as long as you are out there doing your due diligence and telling the truth, then I will back you up because that is the promise that we have made to one another. I will support you because you are doing something that is important. And I believe this is important. And then of course, if it turns out that, you know, you type something that's wrong, you, you attribute to the wrong source, there's some kind of factor, then you have that conversation like, okay, well, we need to reevaluate. So let's, let's make sure this doesn't happen again. But again, that is a learning moment. I mean, I, you know, Erica and I took a reporting class in undergrad where if you got a fact error uh, in an assignment that you did during class during the writing lab, that was immediately 50 points off. It could be that you forgot a letter off of someone's name. You, you put the wrong address. You put the wrong time of day, anything of that nature, 50 points. And that inherently taught us that you need to do your due diligence to make sure that what you were putting out there is right. Because I, they would always also tell us, they don't always remember who got there first, but they'll remember who got it wrong. And that's, again, that's something I still take with me now. And I'm like, okay, let's, let's reevaluate. Let's make sure we have our ducks in a row. This is good. Okay, let's put this out there. And that's a, those are valuable lessons, not just for student media or students who work in that area, but like all of us as student first professionals about like, let's dot our I's and cross our T's and make sure that like what we're putting out there is to the best of our ability, truthful, honest, and, you know, direct and it speaks to what we're trying to talk about. I sort of feel like we're breadcrumbing eh, to this kind of final question, which is, this is, again, I have learned so much. Agassiz has learned so much today. We're, I, I'm like, I feel like I've got so many things I want to think about. What are some things that you wish your colleagues or other people knew about student media right now? <laughs> um, I do not edit the newspaper. I do not see it until everyone else sees it. So when I walk into the office on Tuesday morning or whatever day they publish, I'm seeing it for the first time. <clears throat> we are not marketing and communications. So just because I am your colleague and we work in the same division and we may have the same goals, I cannot tell you, cannot guarantee that your story about this new campaign is going to end up on the front page of the student newspaper. I can tell them about it. They get to make the choice on whether or not they want to cover it. Um, as your colleague, while I appreciate and value you, I am not going to get ahead of a story that makes your department look bad. I respect you, but you need to respond to my, my editor's questions. Um, I wish they realized how precarious this all can be. I love student media, but sometimes it is a house of cards. Um, my departmental goals are directly tied to students doing the thing. So if students don't do the thing, my department goals are not met. And that reflects on my performance evaluation. And I'm doing everything I can to get them to do the thing while also they're trying to study for finals and midterms. And, you know, they're part of all these other organizations and maintaining their friendships. So it's a hard balance. Um, I wish people understood that these are students in training, that they are doing their best, that many of them, you know, our newspaper staff is a staff of 18, um, and that's large for right now, and they are churning out this content for the entire world to consume every day. They are doing their best. Um, so try to treat them with a little bit of respect. That would be great. You know, 
just a just a dash, just a dash of respect. That would be okay. Um, and I, I think they, I wish they would take the time to talk to student media <clears throat> and understand what it is we do and how we can work together collaboratively instead of, oh, well, we need a DJ for this or, oh, well, we want this to happen. Oh, well, you have photographers, so can you take photos at this event? That's not a collaboration. That's a service request. And I love service requests because service requests make me money. However, I would love to collaborate more beyond, oh, well, oh, we need music at this event. I think, I mean, if we can create something real between two different departments, I think that's, that's great. But service requests aren't going to get us there. I think those were fantastic. And I hope people listening who are not in student media, one, now have a better perspective of student media, but two, hi, if you work with student media, take some of this, like this is coming from the source. So, right, we love citing our sources here. So thank you so much, Jackie, for all of that, I think, really, really important work that is happening, probably some of the most important. And to you and your students, thank you so much for all that you're doing and that you will continue to do because it really, really matters. And to all of those friends who are working in student media, you are doing something really challenging, so thanks. Thank you for thinking of us. That's another tip for my colleagues. Think of us, that would be great. Just keep you in the forefront of our minds. And thanks again to everyone for listening to the first five years presented by SAXA. We're excited to give you more and more of this content. And thanks again to Miles Surrett for producing this episode. Um, so Erica, where can our friends at home find you online? You can find me on the Twitter at Erica M underscore Aguiar. That's A-G-U-I-A-R. And I can see where are you at. Um, you can also find me at the Twitter um, at Agassi underscore R. So that's A-G-A-S-S-Y underscore R. Um, and if you're looking for more information on SAXA, that's the Southern Association for College Student Affairs, on social media, you can find them at Facebook at facebook.com slash SAXA fanpage, on Twitter at SAXA tweets, or on Instagram at SAXA grams. And Jackie, do you have any way online that you'd like folks to connect with you? I have been on the Twitter since 2008, so you can find me at Jackie Alexander, and that's J-A-C-K-I-E Alexander. Wow, I love that you have such a good handle. That's amazing. Boom, boom, boom. Well, thanks again, everyone for listening. Uh, we're glad for you tuning in. Until next time, thanks so much. Adios.